Today on the Go for Bronze podcast, Naughty Dog is working on an unannounced title. We talk about that. Call of Duty stays on PlayStation forever, but what does forever really mean? Mark continues his search for the Alien 3 assembly cut, and this is a pretty challenging search right here. We'll talk about that. You have stolen my dreams. Yoel has no idea what happened during the previous week. No idea whatsoever. So, for all that and more, here are the hosts of your show, Yoel and Ace. Welcome to the Go for Bronze podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, as always, jo- Yoel Torres, as pronounced by Joe, and always as as always with me is Mark Acevedo. Yo. So, Mark, how was your how was your Halloween? How was last week as a whole? Now we're officially in November. We're done with the, the spooky season. Now it's time for thir- turkey. I'll stick with Halloween. Halloween was cool. My costume for Jason came together nicely. Apparently, it was actually scary looking which is cool. Uh, very official looking with like the creepy boots and the kind of like military drab double-breasted shirt with the mask. Got some really good pictures. One of the parties that we went to, there was a dock in the back. So that's perfect for like the Camp Crystal Lake uh, pictures. That was cool. And then as Joe alluded to earlier, for my Halloween festivities, I wanted to just stay in and watch Alien 3, but it's like hard to find Unless you like the only way I've been able to find it is to pay ten dollars for, and I think that's just the only option I have. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I didn't, I didn't think that was too bad, but I figured most weird shit is easiest to find on Amazon because they have a very are you kidding deep, me? Like a uh, library for movies, like yeah, I'm not kidding you at all. I don't know why, but Amazon Prime seems to have like basically like every movie you're looking for. The problem is most of the time you do have to pay for it. And it does suck as the older shit and like obscure shit you have to buy. You can't like rent it for like a dollar. Yeah, that's my thing. My thing is that it's a buy. And the other options, right, is it's like there's the anthology uh, anthology collection, but that wouldn't make sense because I already have Alien 1 and 2. So I'm not going to spend that for Alien 3, which I have no clue if it's good or not. But it piqued my interest because Callisto Protocol is coming out and Dead Space is coming out. And I really like sci-fi horror, but I feel like I've seen all the good ones. So now I'm just kind of like scraping the bottom of the barrel to see what's out there. And I read that the assembly cut, which is 30 minutes longer than regular Alien 3, is supposed to be like significantly better. But I've never seen Alien 3. So I just want to watch like... Oh, you never seen Alien 3? No, I just want to watch the good one first. Have you? No, but I just assumed like I knew you're a big Alien fan, Alien and Aliens fan. So I, I don't know why I thought you have seen all of them. I saw, I've seen everyone actually except for three. Three is the only one I haven't seen. I've seen Resurrection, <laughs> fucking AVP one and two, uh, Prometheus, uh, Covenant. Covenant, which is in my opinion the worst one of them all. <laughs> but three, I actually for some reason just kind of like missed out on. It's just they. One and two continually get re-released and they come up on streaming services and three just doesn't get that kind of attention. Well, one is just like an all-time classic. I think Alien, the first one is my favorite, probably like horror movie of all time. It's a movie that I watch like at least once a year, which is pretty rare for me because I don't watch movies a lot. But like I remember watching it this summer with Jaden because he was like, oh, I want to watch a scary movie. I was like, Alien, let's watch it. It's great. Yeah, He never saw it. So I'm a big Alien fan. I mean, the setup um, is dope. Right? Do you know the setup for Alien 3? Isn't it that she's like fighting herself? No. Like a doppelganger that's of four. herself? Like a twin? 
Three oh, okay. is she's on a prison planet and there's like no weapons or anything. And she lands on that prison planet and like obviously. It's a close to protocol. God, well, yeah, actually, that's true. <laughs> but I'm interested in looking at that. Joe, do you have you seen Alien 3? Or how do you feel about Alien? So Alien 3, I never saw that one. But the trailer terrified the heck out of me when it came out. Yes, I am old enough to remember when it came out. And yes, I was in the movie theater when the trailer came out. And yeah, it looked it, it I'm very intrigued by it. I really like the Alien series too. Um so I wouldn't mind hearing the setup of it again because it's been so long and now nah, I've never seen it. And now that you're telling me that there is a better cut, well, I think maybe $5 a piece is worth it. <laughs> Yeah, we can. Three thirty three each. We all chip in. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if I buy it now, I'll just have it, so y'all can come watch yeah, cool. it. <laughs> so what hap- What happens? They're on an. So oh. they were on an alien planet. Is uh, she's on a prison planet? First of all, why is she there? Is that is. So it follows it follows the events, right? It's supposed to be the close of kind of a trilogy. So you have one leading into two, two leading into three. At the end of two, stuff happens, right? Then you have those cast of characters leaving where they're leaving. And then basically what it sounds like this setup of three is, is like always her pod just like kind of goes haywire. And then she finds herself on this prison planet that's dominated by all men. But there's also like lice. So they're all bald and there's no weapons or anything. And it's supposed to be back to like one on one kind of fighting an alien rather than aliens being kind of like military and like uh, large scale. Well, that's that's pretty exciting. First of all, I mean, that storyline is very relatable. Like I, I've fallen asleep and woken up in prison a number of times just like her. So right there, you know, we really connect already. <laughs> yeah, but I am excited uh, to watch it. Two reasons, I guess. One is uh, David Fincher is the director, right? That's Fight Club, Seven, Gone Girl, all of those movies. And then... Have you guys ever seen Event Horizon? No, I haven't. It's not. That's a recent. That's like a 2010s sci-fi movie. No, nah, that's a night. It's 90s, 90s, I think. No. But yeah, that's a movie that's like not very good. But there's a supposed cut of it that would have been way longer. That would have been way better. But because the movie wasn't that popular, the cut kind of just like disappeared. So. So what is the best, I know we're going along on this, I promise this is a PlayStation podcast, but what is the best like director's cut slash different type of cut of a movie that you've seen? What, what comes to your mind when you think of that? For me, it's obviously Tropic, uh, Tropic Thunder, the director's cut. There's like, I think only five minutes more, but it's just better. Better yeah, jokes. That- more yeah, it, it is. That one is noticeable. That's one of those cuts that is noticeably uh, better because of like the boobs magazine. That's not in the original cut. Yes, I will. There's more uh, Matthew McConaughey in the director. I'll tell you, cut, team. Yes, yeah, thing. and he was really good in that movie. Team America: World Police had a director's cut that you can't find anymore. Like you might be Damn. able to get it on Amazon on a physical DVD, but. The mm-hmm. difference in that was there was a puppet sex scene. The whole movie is puppets playing uh, 
they're puppets. They're played by the guys who make South Park, right? So the Joe's like, I'm not weird. This was popular. Yeah, Steam gotta, America was a fucking classic. Yeah, by yeah, the way. yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. But the uh, but the uh, their puppets running around as Americans, like saving the world and stuff, and also making a mess along the way. And in the theatrical version, there was a uh, sex scene between the puppets. And in the unrated version, the extended unrated version, it's just like beyond description. I can't even describe it. You see plastic. Pee-pee? It is. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. Let's just say this. Those puppets had pink eye at the end of it. Oh, shit. Literally. All right. What about you, Mark? Uh, You're a movie savant. Yeah, and no, I was going to say, in terms of director's cut, for me, it's probably Terminator 2's director cut. Because Terminator 2's okay. director's cut only adds... I mean, it adds, I think, like 15 to 20 minutes, but they're just little funny things that kind of add to the characters. They're not really like any big things that change it, but that's all I would say because... The movies that need, quote unquote, need a director's cut are shitty in the first place. So I Just, don't know Justice a ton League. of like, them. Uh, I'm thinking know? of Batman versus Superman. Justice League. Right? Yeah. Isn't that a big thing about- oh, Justice League. Justice League. That's well, what it was. The Snyder And even cut. Alien 3, right? I haven't seen it because I heard it's not very good. But there's this one cut yeah. that's a half an hour longer. That's supposed to be good. So I'm going on a long uh, rant with that. But how was your Halloween? My Halloween was pretty solid. <laughs> I had a nice uh, Halloween party on Saturday, not at my place, but at one of my girlfriend's friends' place. And it was one of your girlfriends. Everybody dressed up. Whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> crazy Halloween. My girlfriend. <laughs> that's crazy. Y'all out here trying to get me in trouble. My girlfriend, one of her friends, we went to her her apartment, and then we had a cool Halloween party. It was '60s, '70s, Austin Power kind of themed. And it was a good old time. I thought I looked sexy as fuck in my Halloween costume. I had a good time. Got a little drunk. Ate some Hungry Howies. And if you notice, I talk a little funny. It's because I have a canker sore from eating Hungry Howies at 11 o'clock at night and not brushing my teeth afterwards. And I pay the consequences for my yeah, canker Canker sores suck. Especially, I have one on like the on my yeah. tongue. So, like every time I talk, I'm just grazing against my teeth, and I just kind of want to kill myself. Honestly, perfect. Well, we're gonna have you do a lot of talking tonight. No, I know here I go for bronze. <laughs> yeah, but we are here, and it is a PlayStation podcast. So let's. Uh, why don't we start talking uh, what we've been playing? It looks like we've both been playing a couple of games that fit the spooky season. Yeah, is that what you want to start off? Yeah, with? sure. Why not? All right, well, I've been playing The Quarry, and uh, that's Supermassive's most recent release. They're releasing uh, The Devil Inside of Me this month, which also looks very good. But The Quarry was what they released. It was back in May, I believe. And it's like a kind of Until Dawn spiritual successor in terms of its camp counselor, kids. It's out in the woods. It's spooky. It's like teenagers, you know, love and all that good kind of shit. But, um... I am. It's actually funny because the two games I've been playing this week, I literally have two chapters or two missions left to finish them. So I'm like 90% done with two games. But I'm like, I have two chapters left. I I kind of have ebbs and flows. I really liked like how the game was starting off and going. The ending, I don't know. If, I don't know if they're gonna stick the landing. If I'm being honest with this one, but I am. I am interested to still finish it, and I like where it's going, and I kind of like the rules and the setups i have set up in the game in terms of like narratives and like characters and decisions you have to make so it definitely seems like some big decisions will be have will have to be made at the end but i wouldn't say it's better than what you've been playing 
from them. Well, actually, interesting that you bring that up. So yeah, I I heard so I haven't played the core yet, but I've heard similar to what you're saying that some people think it kind of gets down to a muddled ending and it's not very satisfying. But I don't know the ending or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So. That's what it looks like it's leading up to. Yeah, so I've been playing a couple of games, but I'll start with one that ties to you, right? So you're playing the Quarry and I'm playing Until Dawn. I finished my Detroit Become Human Platinum. That was number 84. And then now I moved on to Until Dawn and I've been playing that going for my Platinum in it. So one thing that I wanted to say that I've noticed while playing it is frequently when supermassive games are brought up, People talk about them in a light of, they're okay, but you know, nothing kind of reaches the top of what Until Dawn was. I think that that sentiment kind of only holds true if you don't go back and play it. So I've played Man of Medan. I've played Little Hope. I haven't played House of Ashes, but I'm going to at some point, and then I'll play The Quarry. Until Dawn is definitely, at least out of those three, the most interesting in terms of story and stuff like that. But when you go back and play it, it's like not, it's not, it's very rough as a whole. Like, I think it was just really cool at the time because it was fresh and we didn't have these horror games. But when you look at it compared to the other ones, like, I think they do make very solid improvements to each game. That's what I'm noticing going back to this one. I was actually... But you know what's funny? There's things in the quarry I noticed that I like from Until Dawn more. So there's a mechanic where you have to stay still in both games. But in Until Dawn, you have to actually physically hold the controller still. In the quarry, you just hold X. Yeah. And and then even like the the mechanics of like sometimes when you're running, you have to like hit the QTEs at the correct time and stuff like that. It's like the quarry is like dumb easy in terms of like it's very easy to, you know, have all the reactions at the right time and not get caught in the game if you don't want to. Like you have to kind of like almost like forget that you're playing a game to like make it somewhat hard to make a decision. They always give you plenty of time. There's no... Uh, like rush at factor to it or there's no like tense like oh shit i gotta make a decision quickly as i felt like that was more present in them yeah it's interesting you mentioned that because you know why that might be the case for the quarry that might be the case because that was supposed to be Hmm. a stadia game so maybe they just didn't have any of that playstation kind of development into it uh just as like some Mm -hmm. some sort of insight but all of that being said until dawn is still really good i mean it's cool to go back and play it but it's just it's a lot it runs a lot smoother now that i'm playing it on ps5 and it's crazy seeing the difference because the cutscenes are like pre-recorded and the cutscenes are run like shit and then when the game loads up it Damn runs really well but it's good right it's i think it's it's good but i've played it before so i guess not nothing about it is going to strike me as like really new hmm and then I like that we were on the same vibe for Halloween. They were just like, let's just play scary games. I was like, I don't want to watch a scary movie. I want to play. A game. And then, yeah, agreed. I will say before, I guess we kind of combine here for what we're playing. I've also been playing Inscription, and it it mm-hmm. is it's phenomenal as I've heard it is. I think it's really really, oh, really good, really 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 good. Like it's so detailed and so fast paced. It's and it's like um. I don't know how to explain it. It's like a like a big. That's the card game, yes. correct? But it moves really well. It probably could run slowly if you're like trying to figure it out. But you can play it like pretty quick, and it's mm-hmm. its setup is very interesting. I know that the whole thing with it is t- it's best to play it not knowing anything about it, and I didn't. Okay. And so in, I'm just really enjoying it. It's got a really scary atmosphere. 
audio is really good, really good sound design. It's very interesting, very unique. It was cheap, right? It was like 20 bucks. I got it on sale for 15. So like you really can't go wrong with that. 40 trophies plus mm-hmm. a platinum. So I'm having a really good time with it. I might have to check that out then. Cause yeah, um, I, cause I, I recently purchased, I haven't played it yet, but I played the winter's expansion for RE8 just cause I was also in like a spooky mood and I was like bouncing between that and the quarry. So I was playing that while that was downloading and then I got like sucked into the quarry. So I was like, let me just finish this before I start that. But inscription sounds like a fun little game. Did it come out this year? Yes, it did. It came out earlier this year on, I believe PC. And then it came out to PlayStation later. It's a a devolver digital published game. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But that I think sense. it came out for us but, uh, in yeah. September. Okay, so it's a re- it, I must say that's a recent thing. I don't think it's been on the store for a minute, but and not only sense. did I, I'm glad to hear that it's good. Yeah. I, I was gonna say, and I'm interested just because I saw it's a card game, and you said now there's like a kind of gimmick, be- not a gimmick behind it, but there's like a big reveal or something. So that sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a card game, but it's not. It's much more, um, I don't know, intuitive than just... It's more yeah. than that? It's not like that? Is that like kind of like reducing it to something I, that yes. is like simplifying it to Correct. a level? I think a lot of its strengths are that you're starting it like, oh, it's a card game, and then you start playing it, and you're like, oh, okay, this is... Yeah, it's a card game, but it's like not a good way to describe it, I feel like. Because mm-hmm. there's, okay. there's, so yeah, definitely there's like a metagame going on while you're doing the card stuff, if that makes sense. But I was also going to say that the reason why I got it, right, is because I PlayStation Stars has me by the balls. I love it. So I've been doing like all the campaigns, right? I'm getting all my digital collectibles, getting my points. And Inscription was on one of the lists to like, you know, get one of these games. And so I was like, okay, why not? It's on sale and I want to play it anyway. So I did get it. But I really like playstation stars i just want to give a shout out to that there's like nothing to complain about with it being free just i know like you were saying it'd be nice if it was actually integrated into the system but in general i just really enjoy Mm -hmm. it i I, almost every time i go onto my system now i check that first and then i go on and play whatever i was gonna play yeah i think definitely that it it's a little bit of an afterthought for me just because of that extra step of going into my phone but I know you've. It's, I know, like you said, it's got you out of balls. You're excited. It's got you out here buying shit. Yeah, I love it because I mean that's and that's only one. I've I haven't bought anything else from it. It was just that, and then everything else mm-hmm. is just kind of like. Well, I guess maybe for some people it would be more expensive, but for us it's not because a lot of the campaigns are like, oh, play this game and that game. But we own like fucking everything, so that's yeah. We own the store, so it's yeah. basically like not it's that just hard. an excuse to like go and play something else. Now, yeah, that's fun. We can get all three of this on this. We've all been playing another game too, that's been hot and in the wild, Ooh. right? Modern Warfare Two. Yep. And we've all finished it. No, no we have not all finished like that, it. That, so I'm on chapter nine out of ten for the quarry. I'm on mission sixteen out of seventeen for MW2. Okay. Because I had it like brick out. Not for that me. we would be talking spoilers anyway, but we are all playing Modern Warfare Two as well. Yes. Yeah. 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 I. Uh, what do you think about it, Mark? Well, I'm not Mark, but Joe, why don't you go ahead? You seem excited <laughs> to talk about it. 
Uh, dude, yeah, it's awesome, man. I've been really stoked ever since uh, ever since the multiplayer thing came out because I could pop on and do some damage to either myself or others. And then, uh, but you know, <laughs> digitally speaking, it's a video game disclaimer, not in real life. So I love it. I am just past what is it, violence and timing? Ju- just past that one. It was oh, okay. very difficult. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, then, then the multiplayer release and I was really excited about that. So that's where I am right now. Okay. So you're about five, you're about four or five missions out. Joel is right there in the penultimate mission. And then I closed out the campaign yesterday. Heard. How do you feel about the campaign closing it out? No, no yeah, spoilers, with, obviously. With, without spoiling, I mean, yeah. Are you happy? Are you hippie? I definitely think the strongest section of the game is the middle, not the end or beginning. Okay. I will definitely say that. All right. That's, that's fair. I feel like that's most CODs, honestly, though. I would... Yeah. I, I, very few have very satisfying endings. I feel like Black Ops is like one of the ones I always think about the ending specifically. I actually, for me, the most satisfying ending I think of is actually Modern Warfare 3. I know that that's not one that people maybe remember, but I remember. That's the yeah. So when you go into the you go into the high rise in the jug suit and Mm -hmm. just scale the whole building in the jug suit, that I think is like that is and like yeah that that game is not one of the strongest in the series, but I remember that last mission being like this feels like a last mission. This is sick because one thing that's really pretty cool. Which I guess is not really any kind of spoiler, but the one thing that I thought was missing from Modern Warfare 2's campaign is even though the variety of gameplay mission to mission is excellent, there isn't really any one or two missions where you feel like you have a lot of power and you're just like mowing shit down. That is true. This game definitely is, does make you... It gets more boots on the ground for using Call, Call, of, Duty, Call of Duty lingo, but... I think like the, the highlights are like the missions like alone and just like missions where you don't necessarily feel overpowered. But yeah, there's definitely not that power fantasy moment that most COD campaigns have either. Usually in the beginning or ending is usually when you see like the power fantasy moments. And this game has doesn't seem to have that at all. Yeah, but I mean, it's a good time. My multiplayer is good. We still got to still got to get you on there, get you initiated. But that's it's a good a, time. It's the rock. So what do you think? I, I've been, I, I dove into the multiplayer for a little bit and I did notice something that I was kind of like, what the fuck is going on here? And how do you feel about unlocking achievements and that you have to kind of use a variety of weapons and it's not necessarily you can level up one gun to get every achievement or not achievement attachment. My bad. Um, I'm totally fine with that. Cause I was like, I was introduced to that on the beta. You mean like having the platforms and just unlocking the different kinds of guns? Well, no, because like you can't level up a gun and get all the attachments just by using that one weapon. Like to get like a shotgun attachment, you might have to do something with like an SMG. Like you unlock an attachment and then it's available for every single gun in the game. I I don't know. I haven't thought about it. I mean, so I guess by that notion that I'm fine with it. I don't really mind too much. Okay. Because I saw that that was a thing because I watched a Game Ranks video about it and I was like, hmm, that's a little interesting. But I like, but I mean, I don't mind because I like going for like all the camos and shit like that, especially with Warzone when like guns cycle in and out of the meta. I like to always have like, you know, a nice little platinum mm-hmm. camo on the gun in Warzone to flex on these motherfuckers. Yeah. But I played a little bit of it. I do love it. 
Um, I do like the changes to movement. I like how they kind of eliminated like the hopping and all that kind of stuff. Like it's not, it's a little more straightforward. It's a little more like it's, it is a little more pre-aim focused in terms of like being good at the game. You kind of just always have to be aiming. Like you really can't run and then try to aim at a gun or aim up. It's kind of slowed the gameplay down. I think a tad in my opinion, but what do you, what do you feel about overall multiplayer? Or do you think no, no, no. Right? Well, I think it's I think it's taste and opinion, but I think it's great. I also am enjoying it a lot. Uh, one thing I will say as a quick PSA or shout out for anyone who wants that extra little information, talking about camos and blueprints and stuff like that. If you want to right now, unless it's patched you before you're listening to this, money. if you want to see all of the content that's supposed to be coming to the game, blueprint wise, emblem, calling cards, all that. If you go into a private match and start a Call of Duty League private match and then go into your create a class, you can look at everything on the back end that's supposed to come in like the next two or three seasons, which I'm sure I'm sure they will remove it. But I just wanted to give a heads up if you Mm -hmm. wanted to look because there's a lot of blueprints in there and they look pretty cool. So I like that Uh, for multiplayer, though. I think it's sick. I like the strength of all the guns. I think everything feels relatively strong and punchy and then i also think the map selection is really good i think a couple of maps are some of the best maps which are actually interesting i know i've talked to a couple of people saying that they really didn't like the map that's my favorite which is the border crossing map i think that map is fucking awesome and i which map is that the one with the water no that's that's hydroelectric Border border crossing is the one on the highway with all the cars and buses that's just a one-way strip where one team's at one end one team's at the other end and there's a tunnel going down the left side yeah i haven't played that map yet but i have seen the internet be very that uh, map is amazing rough to that map. if people don't like that map it's because they're not good at the game i'm telling you that right now because the only choice you have on that map is to move forward and that's it so you can't camp yeah. and you can't like stay put in a building but i'll tell you what when it's me you know and us or my brother and we're playing if you push a team to where they're trapped then they're trapped there's nothing they can do but it's not cheap because you just have to be better than the other team to push forward so i think it's a really good Mm -hmm. map and it's unique in the sense that it's not just a three lane map like they used to do i don't think this game has a lot of those kind of traditional three lane maps but i don't i really like that border crossing map it has like a really nice intensity to it that i really enjoy it reminds me a little bit of Showdown, like the, the like from what I've seen about it, where it's kind of where Showdown just like you go and that like if I'm thinking correctly from Modern Warfare, the one that's Showdown's that, a square. Is Showdown, or Showdown Bog? is a square. Bog is Bog is the one where on the left side of the map, or depending on where you spawn, but one side of the map is like two stores, and then the other side is like tanks and tall grass with one bus in the middle. Yes. that's Bog. Yes. That's what I'm thinking of. It kind of like gives me bog vibes where it's like there's really like only one way to go and you kind of just have to like be good. But at the you game. just the thing with the only difference, I agree with you fully. The only difference is that in border crossing, there's a lot of cover. So if you're quick, you can weave in and out mm. and jump on cars and do all that stuff, which is what I like doing. All right. So what's your weapon of choice so far in Modern I, Warfare 2? I don't have a weapon of choice. There's like a couple that I like, but I don't have okay. like one that I've been using, to be honest. Oh, okay. So okay. I've been kind of just out here playing. Yeah, I'm just kind of running through all of them, right? Gotta level them all up. But yeah, they're I mean they're all good. That's what I was saying too, where I feel like even like a pistol, you can get a kill in like one or two shots if you're aiming correctly. So like every gun is kind of punchy. 
I tell that too that they made the pistols a lot more stronger and like feasible as like weapon options because I think it's now like four to five shots to kill somebody as opposed to it being like it was six to seven in the previous Call of Duty. So I think Modern Warfare 2 on all cylinders, on all fronts, is hitting on all cylinders. I really haven't seen that many people complain about the multiplayer. I haven't really seen that many people complain about the uh, campaign either outside of like a few like reviews where it's kind of like, eh, whatever. I think the fan base as a whole is very happy with this product. Well, yeah, and it's tough because, again, we talked a little bit briefly about those reviews and if if you give it a low score you know that can be subjective and that's fine but it's difficult to listen to reviews like that and it's reductive when they talk about it in the sense that the gameplay is still top of the line and then they give it a below average score so it's like i understand that you're getting call of duties a lot but that doesn't mean it's really a worse product and you do have the choice to take a break from it if you feel fatigued from it Mm-hmm. nobody's forcing you to play I mean, yeah, it every by Vanguard. Yeah, neither did I. I don't think a lot of people did. And, you know, it's it's especially if you're looking at it comparatively. Another reason why I feel like those review numbers are really reductive is that if you're comparing it to the previous two Call of Duties, I don't think there's any question that this one is the best out of the last three. Yeah, because it was Cold War or Black Ops Cold War, which was kind of ass. Not kind of, it yeah. was ass. The multiplayer sucked. The zombies were made. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. The and campaign, made from what you told me, was awful. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I was like, Ugh. But yeah, the, the campaign was a trash. I didn't even play it, which was kind of disappointing because I wanted to play it because it was like, takes place like during the Vietnam War era kind of stuff. But then you told me it was shit. So I was like, I'm not even going to waste my yeah. time. Yeah, fair. But for right now, for Modern Warfare, I don't really have anything else to say. Do either of you have any closing thoughts on that before we get into the news? I'm just counting down until Warzone 2, man. This is a good time. I love the uh, the diving mechanic as well. I dive all the time. Yeah. Yes. You do like the full, full jump. jump or do you do like the... I do the full yeah. jump in multiplayer too. That's just I do awesome. it all the time because I can't do it in real life, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, but you're going out and you're gunning people down, I mean... Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm shooting people in midair. I killed a couple guys like uh, like with one thing in one hand and the rifle in the other. You know, it was awesome, dude. I'm so good at that game and yet so bad. I'm about to say, Mark, what's Joe's real performance looking like out there in the battle? No, Joe, remember, Joe bit? is Joe is top tier best support player in the game. Joe is excellent support. He's always... So there's a point that needs to be captured. He that's it. That he plays the objective, which I appreciate. I he plays the objective and I'll defend it and we're all good. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and then, fun. that's why we need to get you on it. We need the whole squad on it. You know, we got to get we gotta get on it. Yeah. But... Yeah, I know. I was just, I was just trying to knock out the campaign because I knew that we're probably going to talk about it even in our Alex. Alex is the first one. Uh, my brother is the first one to finish it. He wanted to send <laughs> memes and stuff, which is impressive because he Shouts he plays some Alex. games outside of Call of Duty, but out of the four of us, he plays the least. So he he went pretty speedy with that one. Oh, and Joe's yeah. higher ranked than me and everything on multiplayer. But going to back oh. to. I guess just that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. Just a quick wrap is that not not in terms of him being better, but he like invests. Well, a lot of time. no. So I'll come in. I'll hit. I'll come into the room. Hit one or two matches. Dip one or two matches. Dip. You know that kind of thing. And then in the middle, hit of the one night, or two bombs. Depends. Come back. One or two more come matches. Back. Yeah, like I play it so much that I don't remember. So yeah, I can't tell you how I got so good. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say say that the one last thing that I appreciated about 
appreciated and or definitely noticed about the campaign is it's almost like a tutorial for Warzone, which is something I kept thinking every time I was playing it, where... Mm. In the campaign, you know, you see vehicle control, you use armor plates at certain points, you swim underwater. You And so while I was playing the campaign, I was thinking of all these things and how they're going to be in Warzone. And that was almost one of the most exciting parts about it was just seeing those features and knowing how they're going to be implemented into Warzone. So wait, are we going to be able to jump over on the people's vehicles and hide? Who knows? Them in That's what I'm saying. Who knows? If you can do that, I would. Yeah, lose but the my thing shit. is, I feel like that's possible because it's there. Like that's yeah, that is true. The mechanics. That's there that's already. what I'm saying. That's what is so. That is the in between the lines that I I feel like in terms of reviews and stuff like that, which I guess some people might not be fans of Warzone, but that's the kind of shit that kept me excited every time I would see something like that. I would be like, if you can do that in Warzone, that's going to be crazy as fuck. A lot of different stuff like that. Or even having the ability to like lean out of your car, go on top of a car, not necessarily even hijacking because that may be a stretch. But like, I now I didn't even think about that while playing it. But now you just said that shit. And you I'm totally like, oh, can, by the way, lean out of the car because you can that. do that in Ground War. So leaning out of the car for sure you can do. We'll we'll, we'll get into it. We'll do some testing. I, we'll get into Warzone when it comes out. When we play Warzone, we'll. we'll Spend an hour yeah, talking about that. I am very hyped now. I that'll about be that, out though. November 16th. And depending on how excited we are, honestly, we might have to have a whole separate episode about that. I yeah. But for now, uh, we're going to, if it's all right with you guys, we can get into the news here. All right. Getting all into the news proper here. Let's start off with number one. PlayStation is building a new studio to work with Naughty Dog on an unannounced game. As spotted by Video Games Chronicle, a job listing shows the new team is being created in collaboration with PlayStation Studios Visual Arts, a developer that previously assisted with PlayStation's motion capture, cinematics, animation, and more across several franchises, including Uncharted and The Last of Us. The job listing also mentions... The job listing also mentions that although this was an unannounced title, there is a clear vision and a plan to release it. And there was also a job listing in 2020 for PlayStation Studios in which they were hiring for, and this is a quote, a third-person action-adventure game with melee and ranged combat, which really doesn't mean much because that's been every Naughty Dog game for the past 12 years, right? Or even more than that. Yeah. Maybe, what, 2007 to now 15? 15. Yeah. So, and it seems to be pretty much an understanding that between what's been the conversation through this on the internet is that this is probably an uncharted game and if you finished uncharted 4 you kind of know exactly where it's probably heading towards and like you know what the next game will be and it i mean i'm excited about getting more uncharted i definitely do think it's been enough time playstation kind of likes to keep like the same franchises running and having them ebb and flow. Like God of War took a little break, then it came back. I don't have an issue with Uncharted kind of being like that because it is kind of pulpy and it's always fun. It's always fun to go back to Uncharted and there's never it can never really run its course, I feel like, just because that world and those characters are rich and what they left it off with is very tantalizing. I would I would, I would actually genuinely be excited for an Uncharted. I'd rather have an Uncharted 5 than a Last of Us Part 3. If we're being if we're being honest, I agree with that, but I might come out of left field with the opinion that I would be most excited for this if it had a multiplayer attached to it. 
because I was one of those people that played the shit out of Uncharted 4 multiplayer. I was looking at my hours on my system the other day going through just like my titles and I put 500 hours on Uncharted 4. So Damn. that's that could just be me. I'm just saying that I would enjoy a multiplayer with that because I think the mechanics of Uncharted in general blend really well with multiplayer. I do think that... I don't think PlayStation is going to be releasing games that are both anymore. I think they're clearly like kind of the last game that even had multiplayer. That was a single player game that I can think of was Ghost of Tsushima. And that was added on later. Like I don't like they are PS4 generation games. They kind of strictly have been single player based. And now they're, if you're releasing a multiplayer game for them, it's going to be solely multiplayer, probably within that live service field. So I don't think you'll get that, but you may get an uncharted spin-off like multiplayer game which also probably wouldn't be the worst idea like making it kind of like its own thing like uncharted multiplayer and have like like i think like they, like they should do with call of duty where warzone should be like a separate thing it should be like a separate application that way you can always just keep it going keep it ongoing and like they're going to do with the new last of us uh multiplayer game that's going to be its own separate thing so we might get that if you're for your uncharted fix but this game that they're talking about i'm assuming will be single player yeah, that would count for a fix for me i just like naughty dogs multiplayer in general but i think for this at least i guess it's exciting there's not really any kind of downside as long as naughty dog is able to work on all the projects that they want to having a new studio support them is cool and is really not a negative at all. I saw a report recently that for God of War Ragnarok, right, that had eight support studios on it. A lot of times people don't know yeah. that these big games have so many studios because you don't see that on the splash screen. But there's a lot of outside work that goes into kind of supporting these games. So basically I'm saying it's just good to see because when these games have a lot of support, they normally end up a better product because it just it takes a lot of the smaller work off of the main studio and the main studio can focus on like the real big picture stuff. And I think you can see that with Sony's uh, acquisition of like these smaller studios like Haven and um, fuck, I just had the other one on my, on the tip of my Nixus and stuff like that. These teams that help with either porting their games to PC, helping with, you know, like backend stuff and just filling in the gaps for the studios where they can focus mainly on creative stuff and then let the, the game making part of games go to other developers. Obviously the main studios are also involved, but just to split up their time. So hopefully these games don't take fucking five, seven, six years to make, and they can kind of speed up the, the cycle because that was an issue that I started noticing with the PS4 generation where we, they did all kind of hit at the same time. So we didn't really feel like they were taking so long to make, but we're noticing now, like with the, the sequels, it's taking a little bit longer than I would like to. Like I, we, God of War was supposed to be out, from what they said, this was supposed to be out during the PlayStation 5 launch window, which was like a year ago. Um, so hopefully that just speeds it up and then maybe get the other first parties kind of on that same pace that Insomniac is hitting. Yeah, well. I would agree. And I think that there are both positives and negatives to having outsourced work. One example that comes to mind pretty quickly for me is thinking about Gran Turismo 7. While it has a pretty robust car list it doesn't have a car list similar to what it used to have in terms of its variety mm -hmm. and how many cars are there and that's because the car modeling a lot of the car modeling work is outsourced to like other companies that do that and so i wonder if 
they're slow and that's why we get like a very slow trickle of cars coming in but then again i don't know exactly what the process for that is but i would imagine there are positives and negatives maybe sometime it helps and then other times they can't move forward because they have to wait for work that's given to another studio to be completed yeah polyphony is also weird i feel like polyphony is like we take as long as we want fuck you that's true even though they are like you know they're not in that power dynamic but they kind of are in that same sense where every Gran Turismo is kind of a And hit. at least they released something now, so, so that's good. That's true. They finally released a mainline Gran Turismo. I can't believe we went PS4. The whole generation was just fucking yeah, sport. Yeah, agreed. But that's another yeah. issue. <laughs> but we have another studio here. So Sony Interactive Entertainment London Studio is developing an online co-op combat game set in Fantasy London for PS5. The game is being built on London Studio's in-house Soho engine which was built to take full advantage of PlayStation 5. And the first concept art is available to look at now. If you search it up online, it shows a modern fantasy version of London with fantastical and magical elements laced through. Now, if you kind of do pull up a read up on this online, you can read more about it. But a lot of the article is kind of just generic game talk where they talk about, you know, oh, this is an idea that everyone thought was very interesting. So... Right now, there's really no details except for the setting, and it was built on an in-house engine. And London Studio is famous for working on a bunch of PlayStation peripherals in the last couple of generations. They also made some VR titles, but they haven't really made anything that was like just mainly for the console. I think their last big VR title was that Blood and Truth VR game, which is kind of like the guns one where you're like a heist man or something like that, which I which I did hear was well regarded. But yeah, London Studios mainly been working on peripherals, and they're one of the weird studios that has survived when PlayStation was going through that like time period where they're just like cutting off and closing down studios. It was shocking to see like London still alive and like a Gorilla Cambridge got closed down, which was working on they worked on rigs, and I forgot what else they worked on, but I know they mainly worked on rigs, so. It's, Hopefully this game is good. All these co-op... I, well, we're going to hear the word co-op, multiplayer, PvE kind of thing throughout the, the the stories that we have today. And all hearing all of this just kind of makes me feel like all these games are going to be the same. Well, I just thing. want... Exa- oh, yeah. I mean, I just want to know what... When they say online co-op combat game, that isn't very clear <laughs> that be because that doesn't... Yeah, that doesn't tell me if it's... When I hear co-op, I'm assuming it's PvE. But I'm also assuming they're probably not making a game that's PvE. Just because why would they? I don't... And co-op... I don't know. Basically, there's not enough details here. I feel like they probably should have waited until they had a little bit more to say. Especially from a studio where there's not a lot to really expect from them, right? For example, we talk about Naughty Dog. We know know relatively what we're probably going to get. But there's not much to talk about here Mm -hmm. because I don't really know what London Studio is capable of. I don't know what the Soho engine is capable of, but maybe they built this Soho engine to facilitate other games that are not just London Studio games. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, like like you said, like this is kind of weird. They should have came out with a little bit more, at least a teaser. Show me something. Show me like an Mm in-game, like something running. Because they, the London studio doesn't even have that cachet to do that. Like, I can see, like, a bigger first-party studio doing that. CD Projekt Red did that with a story we're going to talk about later. Just giving you, like, an image and that, like, certain studios garner that much respect and that much hype in the industry where it's like, oh, they're just telling us we're working on this? I'm fucking hyped. 
like Kojima production. Like he can be like, he can show you a picture of this random thing and be like, I'm working on this game and you, everybody will be excited. But London studio kind of a studio. Very few people know, like only like the real PlayStation hardcores will really know. I think like if you like SingStar, you probably love. London I mean, it's, a, it's like, it's so true what you just said about Kojima, right? Really? Like recently he released a picture of <laughs> L fanning doing like a ninja kick. Yeah. And everyone's like losing their shit. They're like analyzing the picture. They're like, oh, there's a there's an army dummy in the background. Maybe it's Metal Gear. And it's like this doesn't you know, the, nobody really knows what this is. So you got to you got to And nobody probably Yeah, you got to show a little bit more. London <laughs> Studio doesn't have uh, what Kojima has. Kojima has his own fucking podcast like um not That's just true. to compare the two, but yes, basically I'm saying I agree with you where the studios on yeah. that level that, that that garnered that much There's, respect like even a bethesda even bethesda they just released like an image of like like you know when they first talked about starfield they kind of released it like that and everybody was excited just because the pedigree that bethesda has so it's not just you know kojima specifically but any studio that has you know garnered respect within the Agreed. industry i think they could have said more than online co-op games so i'm gonna go ahead and flag that as being of concern Definitely. Also, is, is Battle Royale out? Is nobody making See, Battle Royale See, but here's the thing, anymore? right, is I don't... Because I feel like those would be a little but more But online co-op is vague enough where they could... It could, could be, be, right? I mean, Fortnite's base is an online co-op game. That's not the Battle Royale. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know what it is. And I, I, I don't know if we're going to start seeing Battle Royale make its way out, but we know that the... Escape from Tarkov style PvPVE is starting to be a new thing, and we're seeing Warzone is going to have a DMZ mode, which is supposed to be similar. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I'll be, I'm curious to see in the next two or three years what is kind of like the big flagship new modes that are starting to switch. Maybe Sony will make one, right? I mean, they're going to have these live service games. Last of Us Part, Last of Us uh, multiplayer sounds like it's going to be in that yeah. vein as well. And I think that would be perfect for that. That would be good. That yeah, that fits that universe. Agreed. Definitely. But there are other studios that have cachet, right? And like you mentioned earlier, so CD Projekt Red, we talked about some of their leaks earlier on the code names that they had, but now they've officially announced that there will be a remake of The Witcher 1 made in Unreal Engine 5. So the remake will be built from the ground up in Unreal Engine 5 alongside developer Fool's Theory. Fool's Theory is a Polish studio set up in 2015 who previously helped support on projects such as Outriders, Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice, Baldur's Gate 3, among others. Fool's Theory is also working on another project, codenamed Vitriol, a new IP in collaboration with 11-Bit Studios who worked on Frostpunk and This War of Mine. The Witcher remake was previously known as codenamed Canis Majoris and was announced as part of the 15th anniversary of the first Witcher game. Similar to kind of how, you know, Bethesda is announcing Fallout 4 coming to next-gen part of 25th anniversary. And even though they kind of confirm this Mm -hmm. as part of 15th anniversary as a celebration, it's definitely worth noting that they said this is extremely early in production and we won't get more details for could be like years. But how do you feel about this? You played The Witcher 3. I've dabbled in it, but I haven't even finished it. So, I mean, I'm excited because... The, the Witcher is a weird series where the third one in a trilogy of games popped off. And for a majority of people that probably played The Witcher 3, I would say they didn't even touch the first two Witcher games. And on PlayStation, you don't even have access to the first two Witcher games. I know on Xbox, they did release a Witcher 2 port for the 360. But even then, on Xbox, you can't even play the full trilogy. Only on PC you can. So it's good to... I mean, this is like... 
This was kind of like my justification for Last of Us Part 1. If a game is not going somewhere and you're going to put it there, if you're going to do like the extra rebuild it, make it all nice, it's not that big of a deal. The Last of Us Part 1, I think, would have got less a lot less flack if it came to PC day and date because its justification could be like, well, we're making a PC version of the game. Let's make it as good as possible. I can see this that the uh, CD Projekt Red is like, let's not release just like, uh, a remaster just up the textures and make it like 4k and, and do basically what G, like uh, rockstar did with the gta like uh, trilogy where they just kind of shit out a remaster and it's like kind of half-assed they're like if we're gonna put it on the consoles let's just make it as good as possible and also they kind of need to do that too because see uh cyberpunk you know had a rough launch so they this is also like you know make sure we get a good game out there high quality and also probably the witcher 3 is definitely and do for a remake it's old it probably plays like shit i haven't you mean played Witcher it, one right but Witcher no one, you're good it. i don't mean to come in and, and be correcting you but just in case no no, no you're right because witcher 3 could be remade the, the it's apparently old enough to Witcher's be remade with the way games are being remade nowadays if you ask sony it's old enough right if the game was released a year ago they'll remake it all right they're remaking That's horizon true. so but the Witcher definitely is due for a remake because it would be the first time it's available on console. So why not go for all sure. out instead of making like a shitty remake? I'm really excited about this too because even though I have Witcher 3 available to me and I've dabbled in it, I know that I'm not alone in the group of people who know it's an excellent game, but they've hopped in, but for some reason it didn't catch me. And remaking the first one is just a good idea. That'll make me feel like, okay, well now I have another jumping in point. Might as well try. And it, it's just, I think overall, there's really mm-hmm. nothing lost here. I think it, it makes sense. Like you were saying, you can't even play it on PlayStation, no matter how you can try. So making it an unplayable game available is always going to be a positive thing. And they're working with a support studio, so they're working on multiple projects, and this isn't going to take all their time. And it's also the interesting thing, the most interesting thing out of all this, is that it's made in Unreal Engine 5, not CD Projekt's Red Engine, which... Maybe that might be a future thing going on for them because I do know that the Witcher games do suffer from a little of that Euro jank. So maybe that Euro 5 jank. makes it play smoother because even that Euro jank, even because like I feel like Kingdom Come Deliverance has that Euro. Well, jank that's got too. a lot of Euro like, jank. Like, yeah. So the, the yeah, those like Eastern European developed games. I mean, Poland is that Eastern or Western? It's like right in the middle. Yeah, Whatever it is it like right in the time. middle. But I remember. But it has I remember jank. Kingdom Come had uh, so much European jank that they didn't even have any people of color in the game. <laughs> that was like, I remember, that was like a yeah. story. I mean, obviously, making jokes here, but that was a story that they're like, what's going on here? It's the 1300s in the middle of like Transylvania. Why are there no black people? It's like, I don't know. Maybe because like maybe because like the world was like, you know. Like still like, separated? Nobody was just fucking yeah. traveling? Yeah. Like, what, I don't know. But yeah, that was a funny, that was a dumb story. But yeah, like those games of that era, even though that was a newer game, but it's like it was like one of their first like bigger games. You know, they kind of have that jank. The CD Projekt Red is now like big boy AAA developed ga- developer. They got to make nice shit. So The Witcher being remade Unreal Engine Five is yeah. interesting. I am interested to see what the rest of the games, are, what engine they choose to use from here. I on think out. that going with, I'm also interested, but I think that they're probably going to just start going away from the Red Engine because I would assume that also has to be the source of some of their problems with even running Cyberpunk, where they you probably can't. Yeah, the thing so, is, you can't get a 
If you're running something on Unreal Engine, you can get support studios to help. But if you're using a proprietary engine, you probably mm-hmm. can't get support because nobody knows how to run your engine. So that's what my guess would be is as to why they're like, okay, well, we're going to do Unreal because fucking everyone knows Unreal. That's just a kind of industry standard. So, but I'm interested. I was thinking the same yeah. thing too. That like with Unreal 5, there's a lot more support to even get it to run mm-hmm. properly. For sure. All right. Now, moving into this next one here, I wish there wasn't so many details, but I'm going to get into them and I'm going to get through them quickly. So let's get into it. <laughs> you wrote the no, 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 I know, but they're, they're important little details, but you'll hear <laughs> what I'm talking about, right? I'm sure you'll just hear and we'll both be like, God, this is a okay. fucking obnoxious. The Wolong Fallen Dynasty finally has a release date. So Team Ninja has announced that the upcoming title Wolong Fallen Dynasty will be released on March 3rd, 2023. The developer also revealed it will receive three DLC packs that add new demons, scenarios, stages, weapon times, and more to the action game set in a darker version of China's Three Kingdom period. These will be available in a season pass that comes in the digital deluxe version of Wolong, which also includes a digital art book and a digital mini soundtrack. A limited edition physical version will also be available at launch containing the game in a steelbook case, but no season pass. Buying either version by March 16th, you see where I'm going with this? Buying either version by March 16th grants the Bai Hu armor. Buying the season pass grants the King Long armor. Pre-ordering digitally grants the Zuhuk armor. And buying the Steelbook version grants the Crown of Zurong and the Crown of Gogong. Now, that is, that's too much shit, right? Too much separate shit. Fuck this game. This game sucks. And I don't even, I don't have to see one thing about it. All that. <laughs> I, declarative statement. Fuck That's this it. game. That is all trash. That's all stupid. That's all dumb. That's what I was trying to say. So I, I try to trim as much fat as I can from these stories. I only try to present the essential information. But I wanted ah! to read that out mm-hmm. as there wasn't really any duplicate things that I said. It's just, it's really confusing. Why do you have this many versions of a game? At max, and nothing was about gameplay. Max, all that news is like nothing is interesting. Well, it's all just the game probably will be very good. Pre-order. To be fair, it is Team Ninja, and if you want to no. play their most recent release, Neo Two, that is available on PlayStation Plus Essential this month. So I also have that in here. That released in 2020 and was very well reviewed. Uh, great action kind of adventure game. So I'm excited for this. I didn't play the demo. But I did like Neo. I will play Neo 2 now that we have it. And I'm interested in this. I just thought the, you know, scatter shot of like all these different versions is too much. Just, I, I think what needs to be done is you have standard, you have maybe a deluxe, and then maybe you have a collector's. And I think that's it. Standard is just the game. Deluxe is with the season pass and any other DLC. And then maybe they do some physical BS. But we don't. I don't even think deluxe. I don't. I think it should just be. There's, there needs to be something more than deluxe because the ten dollar deluxe of every single game is so fucking well, stupid. Sometimes it's like forty. Sometimes it's not just ten. I feel like nowadays true. it's like seventy is probably your standard. A hundred is your deluxe. I feel like deluxe is usually ten more, and then there's like a in between collectors and deluxe where it's like everything, and that's like the hundred dollar one. Because when you bought uh, Tiny Tina, that wasn't the deluxe version. That was that's like true. 
the one with the season pass, which is more. So yeah, deluxe. Because you know why I hate deluxe fucking versions of games? Because every developer out there, you need to hear this very closely. Fuck you and trying to give me mini soundtracks. Yes. Nobody wants yes. a mini soundtrack. Three. Nobody needs a mini soundtrack. We don't fucking yes. need that. Nobody's going to listen uh-uh. to it. Nobody's downloading it. It's literally the most worthless piece of shit. And I know that's why you're offering it. So you can just add it on a checkbox. So like I'm getting something, but I don't want a mini fucking soundtrack. It's stupid. Your game's mu- music isn't that fucking good. Anyway. It's just another bullet point. Like you're saying, just on that list to see, Oh, look at all this shit you're getting, but you're not, and, you know, while we're on this topic, cause I, you know, this is a right point for it. I just want to say that, I understand there are certain industry practices that we have to accept now with season passes and battle passes and all that shit, but there are certain lines Mm -hmm. that are pushing it too far. For example, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. There is no fucking excuse for all of the main characters of the game to only be in the Vault Edition. You want to play multiplayer? You can't be Soap. You can't be Price. You can't be Farah or Ghost. You have to pay 30 extra dollars for that. I think that's bullshit. That's stupid. That's bullshit. Because I get it when they do, like, you know, fucking bank robber, Joker mask, and Terminator, and stuff like that. These are people yeah, from Yeah, these the are game. the main characters. So, I just wanted to bring that up, too. Yeah, I agree. I think it, it there's, a, there's a level where there's way too much. I think my biggest complaint is not necessarily a season pass because normally you can always get a season pass and kind of go retroactive with getting the stuff. My biggest issue with games is when they have certain pre-order bonuses that are only available from one method of purchase and then you can't get it even if you want it. Yeah. But you'd have to buy this game this game like seven different ways to fucking get everything. That's like yeah. stupid. This is so dumb. And then also the limited edition physical version will will also be available at launch and it has a steel book but no season Correct. pass what i don't know doing? but there are games that release what with limited doing? editions with no fucking game so it happens red dead was famous for that that's when they do when they do the collector's edition and it has no game i'm not too upset about that because i do feel like if you want that kind of stuff you are a fan of the game and you probably would just purchase it digitally. And that kind of just helps probably make them because like you would have to make specific PlayStation Xbox yeah. SKUs. So I kind of understand that a tiny bit. But even then, you could probably just make an option. Are you going to get it for Xbox or PC? They throw a little card in there with the That's a fair game point, though. It. I agree. For me, I think, uh, you know, I'm kind of interested in this, but I don't really have much more. Do you have anything else to say on this one? I don't have much more to say. Fuck. Excellent. Let's move right along to another game that we don't care about. Dragon Age Dreadwolf (laughs) is now playable from start to finish and has finished its alpha phase. Now that the alpha phase is complete, the developer can focus on visuals, gameplay, tuning, and overall polish. Rumors suggest a possible late 2023 release window, and it is possible that we might see this at the Game Awards in December. Bioware is also working on a Mass Effect game on the side of this. I personally am not a fan of really either of these titles or the studio in general, but I figured it's worth noting that the game is at least playable from start to finish. Joel, what say you on Dragon Age Dreadwolf? Also not a big Dragon Age fan. Um, cool. It's, it's, good to, it's good to go. It's ready from start to finish. Hopefully, if it's coming out late next year, hopefully it's nice and polished. It being at the Game Awards, that sounds about right. I feel like we get a lot of Dragon Age love at the Game Awards. Yeah, but that's it, right? Perfect. 
But that's it. Let's that's keep all this train rolling. All right. So Marvel and EA has signed a three-game deal starting with Iron Man. We previously spoke about this. The previously announced Iron Man developed by EA Motive will be a single-player action-adventure game and will be the first of three games in the deal. EA Motive is currently busy finishing the upcoming Dead Space remake and have previously worked on Star Wars Squadrons and Star Wars Battlefront 2, which, as kind of an insight, maybe this is just an opinion, but me and Joel have talked about this on the side. I think EA Motive was probably chosen to do Iron Man because Dead Space squadrons and star wars all have flying so it makes sense for a studio right to be doing an iron man game just a little insight and then the other two games are unknown as part of this deal but there are rumors that there is an open world black panther game is one of the remaining two that haven't been announced what about the captain america black panther game i was completely unclear on that so that's the thing there are to clear this up, I guess, for, for uh, people listening is even though that there's an, a Marvel and EA deal, it is worth noting, right? Marvel is working with a shit ton of studios. So this isn't really like an exclusive thing. You've mm-hmm. got Sony working on Spider-Man 2 and Wolverine. You've got Midnight Suns coming out of Firaxis. You've got this Iron Man game coming out of EA Motive. And then you're right. There is a Captain America slash black panther game that was kind of announced but didn't even have a title and correct me if i'm wrong but is is amy henning attached to that or is that not the same guy amy henning is attached to that i'm trying to figure out who is making it though okay Skydance. and so that is not this one right so there's a possibility there's just two games one being a black panther only and one being a captain Sorry, america I'm- and black panther yeah, because I remember that this one specifically, you're not playing as T'Challa. It's like his like dad or grandfather or some shit in the Captain America one because it takes place way yeah. back when. So potential, maybe there's some crossover that wouldn't surprise me too much. I'm interested to see, though, if these games are going to try to do what the MCU does and connect with all of them. Because I do... How do you feel? Like, First of all, what do you think about the games connecting? And also, I am in the belief that the Wolverine game is connected to Spider-Man at least because they're same developer. I would be fine with the games connecting with each other within the same studio, or I would say I'm at least okay with it being within the same publishing family, but I would probably not want it to cross over outside of publishers because I think that would bog down development, especially considering how long's game take in general, right? If we kind of look at the movie side of things, Mm -hmm. the Blade director uh, for the movie left the project and then every movie every single thing part of the current marvel phase is on hold because they need to have those projects all get in order so what i'm basically saying is i wouldn't want my video games being held up because like they're having issues writing the story or creating some kind of tension so i say within the publisher i'm all for it but i don't want cross-pollination i think it's unnecessary and i think especially I think especially with video games, you can just have them be kind of separate. No, I agree with you, definitely. But I was just thinking about it now, and I do assume that the Wolverine game and the Spider-Man game are within the same universe. I don't know why, but just because Insomniac's making them. like I feel like Spider-Man 2, there will be a tease about Wolverine. I could see that. I think that's a, a good call. I don't have any reason to think that that wouldn't be true. So, mm-hmm. 
So maybe maybe the EA games are all in their same universe, and then that'd be kind of cool because then it's like more comic booky, where it's like these are the individual universes these publishers are making. Because like you said, I don't want like EA games being like taking forever to be developed, putting my Insomniac games on hold when Insomniac is a way more efficient see, developer than most AAA studios agreed. at this point. And see, here's the thing: is I'm even forgetting about this. So now I'm getting reminded of it. But in addition to the previously listed games that I said that Marvel is currently working on, you also had the Avengers game from Crystal Dynamics. Not saying it's good, but you also had that. And then you also had Guardians of the Galaxy, which was really good. So, and these are all different, you know, publishers and studios. But with us knowing about Iron Man and, you know, pretty probably... Actually, I don't know anything about the sources on but to say that there is a Black Panther rumor, if there was one more marvel game is there like a specific hero or something you would want to see or maybe a villain it doesn't have to be a hero right why couldn't it be a villain i think i would want a hulk game yeah like a hulk game where you just kind of like go wild like a like you just like a throwback to like a early 2000s game where you just like kind of destroy the world like a like a kaiju kind of like those games like a like those kind of games, but then I, I would want to say Fantastic Four, but then they would make that into a shitty live service game, so I don't want That's that true. actually. But Guardians of the Galaxy was already made. Hulk, I think, would be fun. Um, I'm trying to think. I do else. think a Blade game would be fire. I was thinking like a that nice M rated because narratively that would be interesting. And I think I could. I mean, I could be wrong. If somebody knows this, then feel free to let us know and correct us. But I don't think there is a Blade game, like ever. Like when you think of these, right? Like Fantastic mm-hmm. Four. I'm sure you can play them in some game. We've had Spider-Man games. We've had Iron Man. We've had Hulk games. We, you know, there was Thor games. They were shitty, but there were Thor games. Um. So yeah. I, I don't think there were ever. There was a Deadpool game. And so Blade is basically a character that I think would be a very compelling single player game as a hero people aren't that familiar with, but could still stand by. You could kind of make it into whatever you wanted it. It could be as dark or as light as you wanted. And you could make it multiplayer if you wanted because he has like teammates, but single player would probably be best. At least I guess I'm basically saying for me, that's what I would want. Yeah, and also you can you know it would be really cool is if you get Wesley Snipes to voice Blade. That'd be a good. That time would right be cool. There. You know throwback. who else I think could voice Blade and be perfect? Uh, the guy that voices Kratos. Who? I think that would be a good voice for Blade. Ooh, that would be kind of yeah. cool. That'd definitely be a different kind of vibe. But that would definitely be fun. But yeah, so Blade. I'm trying to think about what other hero I'd want, but not. I don't know the the idea of like I don't want like I'm so superhero like inundated that I'm like I just don't want anything to do with which superheroes is, anymore. I want, which like, is exactly why I thought of Blade because when I think of Blade, I think of like really gory and vampires. It's not even that superhero ish. Exactly, it's kind of its own yeah. little lane. And there's not really many good vampire games. I think that's also specifically like you have. I mean, Guardians is good, right? Vampire. Vampire sucks. I did you play it? <laughs> I played like that a shit's hot bit trash, it. right? It. Yeah, and that's yeah. like the best one we got. So that's what I'm saying. There's a drought for that style of game. So even that could be something, but. We'll just That's have to true. see and find out. 
So as we said at the top of the show, we need to settle this once and for all. Apparently, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of verbiage here that is not promising, but we're still going to read it as it was said. Phil Spencer okay. has said Call of Duty will continue to ship on PlayStation as long as there is a PlayStation to ship to. Modern Warfare 2 has had the biggest PlayStation store launch ever for a Call of Duty game, including pre-orders and day one sales. Phil Spencer says, and this is where the quote starts, we're not taking Call of Duty from PlayStation. That's not our intent. Our intent is to not do that. And as long as there is a PlayStation out there to ship to, our intent is that we'll continue to ship Call of Duty on PlayStation, similar to what we've done with Minecraft since we owned it. But it's worth noting that just earlier this year, PlayStation CEO crying Jim Ryan revealed that Microsoft only offered three additional years of the franchise to stay on PlayStation past the current agreement. What do you think about this? I think that that's a weird, ominous quote, as long as there's a PlayStation to ship to. He's like basically kind of implying low-key, like Xbox Game Pass will eventually destroy PlayStation, which is my greatest fear in life. So I didn't like that quote. And... I don't know. Is something about his quote sounded a little defensive? Here's what I think. No, I agree. Not to say here's what I think in a in a way that's really differing from you. I think that the only thing that this really says to me is one it confirms kind of what me and you were already saying where from the back end thinking about this from a financial standpoint, me and you both kind of knowing how the industry works and how you have to pay for stuff to get products. We know that it's not going to be feasible for them to mm-hmm. really relinquish this just a game pass. So we know that it would make sense to keep it on PlayStation. The way that this is worded to me confirms that he they need PlayStation and that they know that. And he's just trying to word it in a way that maybe puts him in a in a positive light of saying, hey, we're helping you out. But if you really want to look at this, he's a businessman at the end of the day. He needs to make money. The only thing I get out of this is that now he's kind of confirming like they can't survive on their own like they need the playstation sales so that they can do it because people can you can buy modern warfare 2 on call on xbox why aren't you because you don't want to it's the biggest psn launch not xbox launch right Mm-hmm. that's true i mean it's also just less xbox series and ones compared to ps4 and ps5 but that's just and there's a reason just, for that you know, market dominance and there's a reason for that as well so yeah i don't know phil spencer i'm like first of all this whole activision deal is like we've been talking about it like all fucking year which is like kind of like frustrating just to hear i just kind of want it to be over with but then he always comes out with like these like sideways quotes and it's and it's just very very weird i mean i don't really think Call of Duty's leaving PlayStation, like you said. It's I think Call of Duty is like the our PlayStation is like the where most Call of Duty players play. Then it's mobile, and then it's PC, and then I think it's Xbox. I think Xbox is actually like where the least amount of Call of Duty players are. So they can't rely on like only having it on Game Pass and get only having the smallest like subgroup of like all Call of Duty fans. Like not that many people are going to switch over to Xbox for just Call of Duty. I wouldn't want to test it. I though. wouldn't. But I hope I that wouldn't that want to test it either, but I agree with you. And I would say that there is a while Call of Duty is a giant is a giant and it makes a ton of cash every year. It's definitely worth noting that Vanguard came out and most of the people I know didn't buy it. And so kind of the point I'm coming mm-hmm. to with that is I think 
when we hear the word call the words call of duty we think of that golden era of time when we were a little bit younger and you had mw1 mw2 black ops 1 black ops 2 the franchise is yeah the franchise exactly the series isn't that anymore and so i think that they're not gonna they're not going to make it exclusive because they need all the help they can get. Basically what I'm saying too is, right. If they make it exclusive and then you have Vanguard kind of game and it's only on Xbox, nobody's going to fucking move for that. Maybe back in the day when they were releasing like straight fire, then people would move systems. But I don't think we still live Mm -hmm. in that era. I think people would be like, okay, well it's over there. I guess I won't play it, but that's okay. But that's just not going to happen because they're not going to be able to survive on Game Pass subscriptions and they're going to want to make the money. So when this Activision deal, if it does go through, they'll just release it on PlayStation and take their percentage cut because that's how owning businesses work. So that's what's going to happen. My only thing here with the wording is this intent shit. They just need to say we're keeping it on it like they're going to mm-hmm. sign a deal, not intent. Like, what does that mean? Oh, whoops. They keep on having, yeah. like, they leave the door open for them to be, like, It exclusive. accidentally <laughs> fell only on our system. Like, that doesn't happen. It's not your intent. You're the fucking yeah. CEO of the company. Just put it in the agreement, and that's that. I don't think that Jim Ryan is like, I don't want it. He fucking needs it, too. Yeah, that's so. true. Yeah, he's out here crying for it. And and the reason he's crying for it, Mark, if you, if you want to indulge me, I have a story about Modern Warfare sure. 2. And so that's uh, the Modern Warfare 2 marks the biggest opening weekend for Call of Duty at $800 million. The most recent entry in the long-running shooter franchise is the fastest-selling game in the series. The previous record holder was 2011's MW3, which hit the $800 million mark in five days, which was, like you mentioned, in the middle of that. Which me and Joel um, hit the midnight launch that, for that and got posters. Which we... We did, we did go to the midnight launch at Best Buy right there at the Grove, right next to our high school, and we got posters, and I believe one of our teachers was working at that Best he Buy was. at the time. But yes, the Modern Warfare 3, which I didn't know was uh, the was the previous record holder, was the biggest model, uh, Call of Duty launch. But also, something that was really interesting is that Activision claimed that Modern Warfare 2 outperformed the opening weekends of both Top Gun Maverick and Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Midness combined. And then other new records that were set in the series included the highest number of unique players and hours played for a premium Call of Duty release over a weekend. So this is why uh, Xbox cannot make this they game can. exclusive because they're going to be losing out the on all that money. The story isn't MW2 Mark's biggest launch for Xbox. It's that it marks the biggest launch for PlayStation. So, mm-hmm. yeah. No, I, I, I think it's great. I mean, I thought 2019 Modern Warfare was spectacular and so far I really like this one. Yeah, but what I was weren't you shocked? I didn't know that Modern Warfare Three was the previous. So it actually holder. doesn't surprise me because of the build up to that. When you think about the build up, you have the yeah. You're going from you do Call of Duty Four, Modern Warfare, World at War, Modern Warfare Two, Black Ops One, and then the next one is Modern Warfare Three. I think there was such a steep incline of just every single one of those games were better than the previous one depending on if you're an Infinity Ward or Treyarch mm-hmm. fan, but kind of in tandem, they were all just increasing. And then MW3, I think, yeah. is is the first one that waned a little bit, and then people liked Black Ops 2, and then Ghost mm-hmm. came out, and Call of Duty took a dive, I think, for a couple of years. But it makes sense to me because it was at the t- like the top point 
of that momentum that they had been building. It wasn't necessarily what it did. It was built on the previous games. Yeah, I, I think so. At least that's that's what I would assume. Because remember, that's a different. That's yeah. That's, that's an, what I was just, that's what an I was era thinking. that you know. If you're, it's not that long ago, but we are getting to the point now where there are people, plenty of people playing games that probably weren't even alive then, right? So, thinking about it that way, if you were <laughs> and you remember the way that marketing worked, we didn't have the leaks and the internet the way we do now. So you didn't know previous information. So you might have got a couple of trailers, but it was hype and just the name that you got to go off of. So I think just at the time, I remember in like middle school for Bridgewater, we were like freaking losing our minds out, losing our minds about the throwing knife in Plus, Modern Warfare Two. We we're like, they're gonna add a. Let's throwing not knife. act like the way they did the logo wasn't actually kind of sick as fuck. The World War Three, and then the W just flips over to the M. That was yes. cool. That was excellent marketing. That, was, that turned that turned yeah. me a little bit. Yeah, but they can't do that on. anymore because like a World War is yeah, possible now, time. so they can't do that. Yeah, World War Three. We're we're on the edge but, of World yeah. War Three. It's just gonna be like, yeah, it was. It was real funny life. back then. It was funny back. It was a better. It was, it was obviously everybody looks back with nostalgia, but that Call of Duty, that like late two thousand, early two thousand ten, that Call of Duty run, that was a great time to be just a just an early online gamer in general. Like even the lobbies were more fun. It was just a great time. But I'm glad to see Modern Warfare Two is recapturing the heights of the series and hopefully bringing. Bringing the series back All to I can say is, is this hypes me for Warzone again. If, if it's this studio, if, yeah, if More it's players. this studio, I have full trust Infinity Ward to carry and support the game the way that it needs. So more power to them. But I mean, besides fucking exactly. locking off my that. main characters, you sons of bitches, probably going to get 30 extra dollars out of me. You think Here's the gonna, thing. I don't think I will, but I did. You guys know <laughs> we played Warzone. <laughs> You're okay. already thinking about it, but so think you're about it this lost. way: when you think of Warzone One and how many, mm-hmm. like over a thousand hours that we all played collectively as a team, who did I always play as? Justification. You guys saw me. Who? You I mean, as... unless you don't remember, but I thought I always played as that no, uh, that skinny uh, that skinny black suit chick. All right, fucking nah, y'all didn't yeah, pay any attention. I, I was always ghost. Ghost. For the longest, I would always play as Ghost. Ghost. Yeah, but I was always I was always ghost playing team. as Ghost too, man. All right, so maybe it doesn't matter then. It's I like Highlander. There can only be one. Uh, yeah. What are you talking what are you about? Doing? Wouldn't you say that you're copying me? If you're playing as Ghost, but you're spectating, who cares? I'm kidding. That's talking shit. Joe's technically always playing as us. Emotional yeah, Joe doesn't actually pick his he just, Yeah, no, no, no. We're the same. Yeah, he, he just spectates. See, this is what I'm mostly. saying, though. They can't be charging $30 extra. Dollars. It creates animosity and violence, and that's what they want. That's they want right. us to be frustrated, right. so we spend cash. Now, what they need to do... Exactly. They're causing distrust. What they need to do is group. put a QR code on the outside of some chips. And, you know, fair. Fair. <laughs> I saw, you know, it's funny. I think what who's the what's the shitty pizza company Tatino? that's doing Little the Modern Yachty's? Warfare? Huh? Is it Totino's? Little Yachty, shut the fuck Little up. Little Yachty's is a real no, pizza. No, 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 it's like a pizza chain. It's like, it's like Little Caesar, Little Caesar, Little Caesars, Marcos or fucking or some, some shitty pizza like that. Something like that. I was driving by and I saw a, a sign where it's like, buy now and get the new Call of Duty double XP if you get a large pizza. Well, what kind of pizza <laughs> did you get? 
I don't know. I'm about to, I'm right, you had a hungry Howie, so now he can't talk. <laughs> so the break-even point is thirty bucks. If it costs you thirty bucks to get that pizza, which like now it does, uh, you know, stuff is pricey. You may just want to buy the bundle or the the expansion. You get a pizza for Look, thirty dollars. I won't buy it. But if you guys see me wearing one of those skins, I don't want to hear anything about it. Hey, you what's it called? You, you, they already have you. They already have you. By They've balls. got a don't judge. It's just when I don't judge. So once I feel like you're you're good until Warzone yes. comes out because your skin doesn't really matter. Warzone, Warzone, but then once yeah. Warzone comes out, that's the that's the yeah, ultimate because, tease. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want everyone to see how cool you look in Warzone. Yeah, when I'm dying, exactly. Like, Immediately when I drop. <laughs> But speaking of getting dropped, Sony loses nearly 2 million PlayStation Plus subscribers since the service revamp. So, according to Sony's financial report, the multi-tiered PS Plus subscriptions have dropped from 47.3 million at the end of June to 45.4 million three months later. That is a 4% decrease in subscriptions. And Sony pointed out in the financial report that there is a higher ratio of PS Plus subscriptions on PS5 than on PS4. And they hope to recover the lost subs by getting more PS5s out into the market. But uh, not was all bad news in that financial report. Uh, Sony has now announced that the PS5 has now officially sold more than 25 million units worldwide. So... What do you think? I'm. I was shocked to see that they lost two million, but also not surprised because I feel like the premium tier specifically has been getting a lot of negative, uh, like a lot of negative content or not a like lot of negative feedback and marketing. Feedback. Yeah. So I agree with that. I I um mm-hmm. I kind of read this as two million is a large number, right? So it can make a headline, but when you're thinking about the grand scheme of how many people are subscribed to a service like this. It doesn't strike me as being that crazy when you think about the amount of casual players that exist. Like I was trying to think about this on an analytical level, right? Of like, okay, well, this headline is trying to claim that they lost 2 million since the service revamp. So does that mean the service revamp forced people to drop the essential tier? Which wouldn't make any sense because the essential tier not only didn't change price, but didn't change features. So I'm assuming really the people that are dropping off of this are probably just people on PS4 who like don't care to renew it. And we know that since COVID ended, less and less people, like the people that were kind of moderate into games are falling off. So probably you have your hardcores getting PlayStation 5s and continuing their service. And then the other people are probably realizing like, okay, well, even my essential tier, maybe I'm getting PS5 games for free, but I don't have a PS5, so I'm good. Like it doesn't... What I'm also thinking is maybe the revamp made essential tier like consumers aware that they're paying something. And then they're like, yeah, wait, maybe instead of having like that mindless subscription. And then they're like, wait, let me cancel this. Why the fuck do I even have this? So I feel like that could be a small part. I mean, that could that definitely be it. I think another thing, right, uh, to agree with what you're saying is that it's a known thing that you think PlayStation Plus is essential for playing online games, but it really is only essential for the games that are not the biggest, right? Like I believe you can play like Fortnite and Warzone and those kind of games without a plus subscription. It's mostly other games. So probably at the most casual level, like you're saying, maybe they're just like, oh, well, I don't want to pay the 10. So let me just cancel it. 
One thing I do exactly I did see out of this is anywhere that I saw this story posted, obviously the comments are fucking ablaze with people being like, Game Pass is so good and it's just so much better and Sony needs to realize that. And it made me I'm not gonna lie, like I'm not gonna like respond to them. They're not talking to me, but it makes me it makes me upset to hear the sentiment of PlayStation Plus's competitor is bad because they're not giving day one offers when people don't understand if you give everything you have for free, you can't fucking sustain it. That's why Phil Spencer is like, our intent is to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation. Like, there's a reason. Like, I don't know. I feel like people want to be so cheap that they don't understand they're going to get worse products for being so cheap. Like, the people that pay for Game Pass don't pay full price for Game Pass. We know that. There is hard stats on like most of them play that $1 or pay a discounted price. And it's not like a sustainable thing. Yeah, even when they, with the recent amount of money they made, I think it was $2.9 billion. And then if you looked at the, they did it by the amount of users, like the average person was paying less than the monthly subscription. So they're bringing in less money than their baseline is supposed to. Well, wait. And then also, like you said, you're, you're getting less Did you say $2.9 billion? Is that an... I believe is that in a year made in revenue because if it is I've got a wild statistic for you let me see Xbox game pass yeah yeah while he's talking about the thing that my statistic statistic? is that Call of Duty made 5 billion in microtransactions alone in a year that's my just saying like how much they need to make sure they keep that everywhere So Xbox Game Pass for consoles made approximately 2.9 billion in revenue for 2021. Yeah. That's Xbox Gaming overall earned 16.28 billion in uh, 2021, which means Xbox Pass Xbox Game Pass generated around 20% of the total revenue. So even Game Pass is not even garnering most of their revenue. I mean, I don't really know what I don't I, I really am interested to see the long term game plan with this. I think the PlayStation Plus also still has more subscribers for everybody saying that Game Pass is a better product. I and I'm also not saying that PlayStation Plus is the greatest product either. I definitely as somebody who's been a premium tier member the whole time the service has been out. I've kind of been disappointed with the offerings. But overall it's just kind of like an addition it fills in the gaps for like the very few amount of games like we don't own but we basically own the whole store so i mean we can probably get away with just being essential game like a essential tier and like not really even feeling it but i enjoy it and that's the thing we're a we're a subsection of like the most hardcore so where i mean it depends too Mm -hmm. right that's not to say that if you're hardcore that you need that because yeah some people are totally fine not doing that for me I'm not going to have subscriptions on all these systems, but if it's PlayStation, that's my main place of play. And I was one of those assholes that was always subscribed to PlayStation now. So when they rolled it over, it wasn't even a change in price for me. And so I was like, okay, well, they're just adding stuff for me. But the thing is... And when this came out, I just canceled my Xbox Game Pass because I was like, I'm not... Yeah, I wasn't using it. I don't know. I I just... I think there's a... You can criticize it and purchase it however you want. That's how you're going to send your message of what you like and don't like. You know, control that with your wallet. But there's a weird comparison always between this and Game Pass. They are competitors, but there's a weird comparison in the sense that, like, are you really going to be like, well, this one subscription is, a, I think, is better. So I'm going to completely be on that console for that one subscription. You should probably just be playing the games you want to play 
regardless of how you get them. And it's there should be a lot of other things that are forcing you over, right? Like, I think it's weird to hear that yeah. argument. It's kind of just like, like if you're going to argue like, oh, well, I'm getting more stuff for cheap, you're not going to play that shit. If you're somebody who plays a lot of games, you're probably not somebody who's complaining about that. That's true. And you know what I also think is that developers are more willing to put stuff on Game Pass just because I think they understand that now Xbox is training their audience to not purchase games. Like, even the games that sell the best, the most games that sell, the most revenue brought in from gaming is always Sony, is always PlayStation. Like, games sell better on PlayStation. Like, it's been the thing since, like, the PS4 generation. So now you're going on two generations now where it's just, like, Games sell better on PlayStation, obviously, because there's more, so that makes sense. But Xbox has now been teaching their audience for the last five years. All you need is a subscription. And and we have more games because they're better and because they sell. And if you want something, you have to fund it. And it's funded because you're paying full price for it. That's, that's, I guess, what I'm trying to say, right? I'm... As a consumer, right, I'm not like, oh, man, I can't wait to pay $100 for a remade game. But it doesn't, you don't have to think about it as every game. Like if it's, you know, I'm really excited for a Callisto Protocol. I I don't even think I would want that game for free. Like I want to support that studio. I want them to make more games. And I know to do that, they have to make money. So I'm completely happy and completely fine paying for a game that I'm interested in because I think that will give me more of that product in the future. Whereas if you just want everything for free, then you're probably going to get shitty games in perpetuity. Yeah, starting at the end, you know, starting starting at the tail end of the PlayStation 3 generation is when they started to, you know, hit fire exclusives. Then through the PS4 generation, fire, 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 purchase that at full price. And now that's what you're getting continuously when Xbox is still struggling to get anything out exclusively. That's not Forza. That's like even good. Even though everybody's trying to hate on God of War and be like, it's the same thing. It's an expansion of the 2018 game. There's... there hasn't been an Xbox exclusive that has captured the zeitgeist as when this God of War game drops and everybody sees the reviews and everybody loses their fucking mind. There hasn't been an Xbox exclusive do that probably since I would say Gears of War 3 to Halo 3. And that was that's two generations ago. So plus if you want good games you got to put you got to put money that's into the them thing. And you got to buy them. Money talks. And for people that are going to say things like what you're saying basically they're like, "Oh, well, it's the same thing. Like, why do I need the same thing? Modern Warfare 2 is the 17th entry in Call of Duty, and it just <laughs> had the biggest PlayStation launch ever. People don't actually care about that. They just want what's good. If it's good, it's going to sell. So, yeah. anyway, I'm getting on a tangent about so, yeah. that. I just basically saw the cesspool of comments saying, like, I saw one comment where somebody was like, oh, PlayStation would be worth it if the top tier had all, like, couple thousands of classic games and in my head i'm like do you me yeah, i should have more than it has but what fucking universe do you think you're gonna get thousands of games like actually immediately like that no no no, no. i'm not saying i don't want it i'm saying that that's an unrealistic expectation and i, don't think, and I think it should build and, and they're saying launch dumb, like, like launch like that like that's not gonna happen yeah i do think that it should have I do, I do. That's the thing, though. The premium service, if I'm being honest, it's disappointing with the classic game section. I think that there's probably a total of maybe like 50 games there, and half of those are PS2 versions or PS4 version of PS2 games that were basically available for five to seven years already. So 
they are lacking. It's not a perfect no. system at all. I do think that it's still kind of clunky in terms of like you're interfacing with it in the system. It's kind of hard to see like every single game you have available to download, but it's getting, I hope, hopefully it will get better and hopefully the library grows. But I, overall, I do agree with you that the, the hate And I agree with what much. you're saying. I think just to kind of clean up where I was leaving off is that my main thing is I think both the premium and the essential tiers, there's plenty of critique or not essential to extra, right? Mm-hmm. Fucking stupid ass names. So premium yeah, extra. and extra. There's plenty the of critique to go there. I think my main thing was with this headline that for some reason I, I can't imagine that two million lost to essential is because of the revamp. Because nothing was different about the essential service. So I yeah. I'd be interested to get a little bit more data onto like, well, why do they think they dropped off? Because I can understand and technically, they could be generating more money if they have more people. That's at that also an excellent tier. point. Which they didn't talk That's about. True. That. That's true. Which I would like to know. I would like to look into that and see. Maybe they might be generating more And you know money what? They're still. paying fucking full price. They ain't paying no dollar a month. PlayStation ain't no dollar whore like Xbox. Exactly. I'm paying $70 for dollar whore right now. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, that hurt. <laughs> But uh, our final news story of the day, uh, let's talk about what Remedy has been doing. Uh, Remedy CEO, Tiro Vitali provided some update on multiple projects in development at the studio. So um, he gave us a quick update on Alan Wake 2. He said that the game is in full production stage and is still on track for a 2023 release. Which is very, very. I didn't know it was 2023. That's a little bit sooner than I Agreed. thought I was going to get that. So it's good to hear that it's in the. It's a. That's good to hear that's in the full production stage. Uh, I would assume that one to get delayed definitely because there's no month of tied to that. So that's just my two cents there. And then he also provided updates on two control projects. One named Codename Condor and Codename Heron. The Codename Condor game is a four-player co-op PvE title announced last summer, and the CEO said that this is in a proof-of-concept stage. And then the Codename Heron, which is Remedy's bigger budget control game, which is may possibly be a sequel, may possibly be a spin-off game that ties in the Alan Wake and Control universe. That game is currently in the concept stage. And then the fourth game that Remini was uh, also mentioning that they're working on is a co-published game by Tencent, and it's called Vanguard, and is a free-to-play cooperative multiplayer shooter that is also in the still uh, proof-of-concept stage. And then the final game, which is the most exciting game, I think, honestly, that they mentioned, is a remake of Max Payne 1 and 2, which they did confirm are still coming on the way. And uh, Rockstar is still working alongside them for the games, and it is being developed in Alan Wake 2's and Control's Northlight game engine. So not a Rockstar game engine. So it definitely seems like uh, Remedy will be taking most of the heavy lifting on that project. So that's interesting. All those games are pretty... Actually, no, I'm going to lie. The Alan Wake 2, the Max Payne remakes, and the Control's spinoff single-player game are very interesting. The other two... PVE co- multiplayer co-op things. That's just, I, I got to pay their bills, you know? Yeah, I agree. I had, we're both fans of Control and then I had recently finished Alan Wake Remastered earlier this year. So I'm interested, yeah, for sure, to play Alan Wake 2 and I agree with you. I When they, 
had initially talked about this. They said that it was very early. So I'm interested to see that they said 2023. And they even spoke a little bit further about it, saying that there are playable portions. Like a lot of the game is playable. They didn't say that it completed alpha where it's front to back, but they did say a lot of it is playable. So good to know. I agree mm-hmm. with you where like late 2023, you maybe get pushed past that. We'll see. And yeah, I, I pretty much in agreement with everything. I'm interested in all of the single player stuff. I love Max Payne. I fucking loved Max Payne 3. I mean, I like the first two, but I would love to see them in a current kind of setting. I played Max Payne 3 when that came out. Max Payne 1 and 2 were just classics at the time. And Control, big fan of that. I'm interested to see what kind of connection they try to do. And I like their, I like the engine that Control runs on. And I think that Max Payne 1 and 2 will look excellent on it. Because they have, you know, very special portions of the game that I think will look very good on Control's engine. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I'm kind, I'm kind of interested mostly about that Max Payne uh, remakes. I mentioned that while I was t- saying and saying that reading out the news too, but I want to know what Rockstar's involvement is. It just them giving their blessing, basically being like, "Hey, we're giving you the IP," and are they pretty hands off? Because it being in Remedy's game engine, it's basically being like this is basically a. I would imagine Rockstar's blessing and maybe even Rockstar's support, like maybe just kind of access to legacy Mm. stuff, would be my guess. I can't imagine that they maybe access to like the original game files and like code. Yeah, I can't imagine that they have like actual Rockstar people working on it because it would be flipped the other way. It would probably be. If Rockstar was helping, they'd probably lead it, is what I would guess. So, mm-hmm. but I think that's interesting. That's Something that I, I kind of wanted too. to throw in too is this wasn't really officially reported anywhere, but we've seen it is that the Silent Hill 2 remake that was spoken about recently, they didn't give a year for it, but it did start production in 2019. So, there's a possibility we see mm-hmm. that sooner than later. I Basically, I'm saying I think. 2023 Senior. might be like an insane year. If not 2023, then the beginning of 2024. I think I think next year we're gonna have like a solid like two year run where there's gonna be a lot of heavy so. hitters. It's gonna be like that 2017 to 2018 time frame at the end of the PS4 Xbox One generation where it was just like banger after banger after banger. Faux show. So yeah, I'm excited to see what the future of games has. The to only hold. thing I will say excited about as a closing thought is Overwatch 2 mm-hmm. has pulled another hero. So fuck that game. That's how I just wanted to <laughs> this yeah. Yeah, I'm not they the, pulled another hero because of bugs. Overwatch yeah, that's is done it. for me. It's it was like it had a yeah. couple of day run and that shit's already off. Yeah, no no no. Overwatch is already done for me officially. Uh, it seems like most of the OG fans of Overwatch are kind of like not really into this game because it truly is basically a 1.5 or like it's basically Overwatch one less characters are less uh, playable like use 5v5 instead of 6v6 and it's like the same maps and they fucked up because Modern Warfare 2 came out and now yeah, like you slacking. slacking can't be slacking come on but that's all I've got for this episode of Go for Bronze that's um that's all I have for you guys as well. I'm excited. To, I'm excited. What are you excited to get into? I'm excited to get into the Winter's expansion and then finish up the quarry, finish up Modern Warfare 2 so I can actually talk about games I've beaten. But yeah, until dawn, Modern Warfare 2. I think I'm ready to head out. We'll let... 
We're getting closed out by the music. Thanks, Joe. It's like the Oscars when they just like play the music, like shut the fuck up and get off stage. The Go For Bronze podcast is a production of Go For Bronze Media, LLC. Hit us up on Twitter at Go For Bronze Pod. Instagram, Go For Bronze Pod. Stolen my dreams. That's right, we have. You can check us out on Twitch at Go For Bronze Pod. Also, our YouTube channel at Go For Bronze. This is the big dog. Till next time.